if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. It is the authority on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning to you. We are rolling now at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the eighth morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2021. We have a lot of uh, stuff to do today. We've got a couple of, in fact, we're packed. What am I saying couple of? We are packed with great guests. Coming up in a half an hour, in about, in fact, less than a half an hour, because he's going to come in right after the 930 news at about 931. You're going to hear Lieutenant Governor John Husted. He has not been on with me for quite a bit, as uh, I have been critical of a lot of the decisions, obviously, made by the DeWine um administration as well as the uh, health, uh, state of Ohio Health Department. And I've talked to DeWine, I've talked to Houston, but I usually don't get a second bite at the apple because uh, they don't like being questioned as harshly. Well, in this case, Houston and I are on the same side. Lieutenant Governor Houston is taking heat from um, the Cleveland Plain Dealer Editorial Board, among others, who say that his acknowledgement of the virus that we've all been dealing with came from a lab in Wuhan by way of a tweet, uh, is racist and bigoted, and he has cloaked himself in shame for such a tweet, and that he should apologize. His critics say that acknowledging that the virus came from China is bigoted and racist, and he should apologize. Um, Governor Houston has not, or Lieutenant Governor Houston has not apologized, and nor should he. So I'm going to give him a chance to talk about this in whatever terms he wishes coming up uh, at 9:31. He was also in uh, East Cleveland yesterday as they are expanding broadband high-speed internet to East Cleveland in order to um, help shore up that uh, in a, in a place where perhaps it's less readily available. And uh, I'm going to ask him about what that means. Does that mean that we can expect our kids to have to use high-speed Internet for school for the foreseeable future? Are they going to continue to be virtual and online classes as opposed to in-person classes? We'll get all of that going on with uh, Lieutenant Governor Houston at 930, so you're going to want to be here for that. Then at 1010, it's Thursday, so Dr. Everett Piper is going to join us to talk about his new book, Grow Up. Uh, uh, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. It's the follow-up or the sequel to the bestseller, um, uh, not a daycare, which is uh, just a phenomenal book that was aimed at his students at his former university. 
uh, not a daycare was ju- it just took the nation by storm. It really challenged all of the woke ideals of the young generation Z students. So he's going to talk to us about the follow up grow up. And then at 1035, we're going to talk to political activist uh, Mark Meckler, who is leading the fight, along with a number of other groups who are doing it individually. Hopefully we can coordinate them as much as possible. But really leading the fight and sounding the alarm about the threat of vaccine passports in the state of Ohio. Forced vaccinations or the repercussions being you don't get to participate in particular aspects of your uh, uh, our daily lives. So that's coming up. We've got uh, John Husted, we've got Dr. Everett Piper, and we've got Mark Meckler. And we will do none of the above before we pause for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to a public for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Lead us, young Cedric Richmond Jr. Very well done, young man. Uh, the future is bright when we have patriots like this being uh, being taught the right way from the very beginning. All right, let's talk about being taught the wrong way. Governor, or Governor, uh, President Joe Biden, Dementia Joe, China Joe with the Kung Fu grip, call him what you want to call him, He is now the gun grabber-in-chief. Today, he is going to unveil his long-awaited executive actions. By the way, when is... I I don't want to get off the track here, but I'll just say it simply. When is the mainstream media going to put a tally up on their screens? When is CNN, when are NBC, uh, ABC, and CBS, when when is MSNBC, when are they going to put a tally up on the screen of the number of executive actions and orders being given by President Joe Biden in the first 70-plus days of his presidency compared to the number by Donald Trump? They tried to tell us that Donald Trump was a dictator. Donald Trump was a, you know, a totalitarian. Donald Trump was trying to govern by executive order instead of using the balance of power that exists in this country, the three separate co-equal branches of government. The legislature has to pass laws. The president can then agree or disagree and sign or veto those laws. Uh, and then, of course, the judiciary has to make sure that they're all constitutional. So the... Donald Trump just took so much heat from the mainstream press for assigning executive orders. I want somebody to give me a tally in the mainstream media. Some conservatives have already done it. But I want a tally of the number of EOs issued after today by Joe Biden. And I want to compare it to Trump, and I want to compare it to Obama, and I want to compare it to Bush, and I want to compare it all the way back. I don't care how far you go. Nobody has tried to govern with a scepter quite like Joe Biden has in the first 70-plus days of his presidency. So today, new executive orders on guns. And yes, he is the gun grabber-in-chief. In particular, they're going to go after ghost guns. What the heck is a ghost gun, you may be asking? Well, we had a little bit of that in the news report at the top of the hour. These are makeshift guns in which people can order various parts or in some cases, print them with 3D printers. Extravagant uh, and you know difficult to understand, quite frankly, uh, 3D printers. But they can get various parts of guns in various different places and then assemble them themselves. So they're not guns being sold. They're only gun parts being sold. But people can then build their own guns. And when they do so, uh, they don't have to have to pass a background check. This is the big deal. This is what Joe Biden is going to spend his time and the American people's attention and money on. 
Ghost guns. Now, while we wait for these executive actions to be announced, specifically and officially today, I wonder if anybody can give us uh, an approximate total of the number of violent crimes that have been committed by people with ghost guns. Criminals, by and large, and I mean almost exclusively, criminals who commit gun crimes aren't ordering their pieces of guns online and then assembling them in their in their apartments. Criminals that commit gun crimes get their guns in criminal ways. Through the black market, through stealing them, through fraud. Criminals, by their very definition, commit crimes. And getting guns illegally is one of those crimes. And that's how they commit their crimes. And that's what they use to commit their crimes. Ghost guns, or the ability to print through 3D printers uh, the materials needed to uh, create guns or to buy, this is what this is what people with hobbies, firearms enthusiasts do, not criminals. It's like, how cool is this? Look at the technology that exists now. Look what I can do. They build them like they're building model warships or model cars from back in the day. I used to buy model cars at Discount Drug Mart as a kid all the time. And take them home with my little glue and my little paint set. I'd build my little model cars. Gun enthusiasts do this with guns. And they're not the criminals. The criminals steal their guns. So executive orders by Joe Biden today are going to do zero, nothing, nil, to actually help uh, uh, deter gun crime or or mitigate or limit gun crime. All it's going to do is be a pain in the rear end for gun enthusiasts, not criminals. And there's a major difference between those two things. All right, it's 916. This is the authority on AM 1420, The Answer. So sticking with the uh, the gun issue, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this out there because it's coming today by way of executive order from the gun a gun grabber in chief. This is where we are. First of all, as I mentioned, Biden will direct the administration to begin the process of requiring buyers of so-called ghost guns, homemade or makeshift firearms that lack serial numbers, to undergo background checks. According to three people who have spoken to the White House about the plans, this is the Daily Wire reporting. He is expected to be joined at the event by Attorney General Merrick Garland. Now, again, I'm just going to point out the obvious. I don't know that I have seen one news story about a violent crime committed with a gun that was created or built by one of these gun kits that you can order online, that these ghost guns that they're talking about uh, you know, ever had anything to do with. I have not seen one. Now, again, I could be wrong. I don't see every story of every firearm and used in every single crime in this country, but you would think that this would be news. If ghost guns were a threat because they had been used in multiple crimes, this would have been news. We would all not be learning about ghost guns for the first time, or most people, excuse me, right now. But they're looking. The Biden administration is looking for anything that they can do to pacify the far left, which hates the existence of guns. And so this is one of the orders. 
more than 100 of these far-left Democrats signed a letter last week demanding that Biden take executive action on so-called assault weapons that are concealable, citing a gun control law authored to regulate the sale of machine guns initially in the mid-1930s and updated in later decades to keep up with technology. The group argued that the measure allows Biden to move on banning such firearms without the approval or input of Congress, which is so evenly split. It is unlikely any assault weapons ban would pass. I'm going to pause there to say this. They did this with the Congress in the 1990s. A 10-year assault weapons ban was issued. Now, assault weapon, of course, It's so ridiculous, the idea of trying to identify or name or define these things, because to most common sensible people, an assault weapon would be any weapon that is used to assault someone. It could be a six-shooter. It could be a thirty-eight special. It could be a 9-millimeter Glock. It could be an AR-15. It could be an AK-47. Well, not so much that, because full-on automatic weapons are illegal for virtually all Americans. Virtually. There are exceptions, but full-on automatic weapons are a little bit different. But that's not what they're talking about. They did. They passed this assault gun ban in the 1990s, spearheaded in part by Joe Biden then in the Senate. And what they did in the years after is study it. After it expired, after it had its sunset reached, they looked back and said, there was no appreciable decline in murders or gun crimes during the entire decade in which these things were unavailable. It's pointless because people don't obtain their guns legally when they are going out to commit illegal acts. The criminal element in this country, particularly the large proliferation of gang members that commit the large, uh, the you know largest um, ratio of gun crimes. Uh, they don't get their guns legal. They, legally, they get them done illegally. So all these orders that Biden is going to come out with today are going to do is make it more difficult for legal gun owners to be able to protect themselves and their families. Biden, according to Politico, is expected to push back on the possibility of executive action beyond merely regulating ghost guns and tossing the difficult subject of gun control back to the House and Senate Democrats, particularly measures expanding federal background checks and curbing the sale of both assault weapons, as they're called, and high-capacity magazines, as he calls them. In response to criticism from gun control advocacy groups that this administration has moved too slowly on executive actions, this is Politico writing, The Biden White House has responded that the legislative fixes are a priority. Biden is likely to make the same point today, Thursday, in addition to expressing support for bills to expand background checks and close the so-called Charleston loophole that allows a gun to be transferred from licensed gun dealers before a completed background check. He also is expected to push for legislation to keep guns away from people believed to be a danger to themselves or others, as well as a ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Now, of course, we know what that means. We know that what they, what he is going to try to put in place here is going to be a law that, or an executive order. It's not even going to be a law. It's going to be an executive order that is going to force people to turn in family members or friends to the government if they believe that their family member or friend is a danger to himself or others. But the problem with that is not every nut job like Adam Lanza Let me rephrase. Let me restart. Not everybody who is suffering from mild depression or uh, a a low point in their life is a nut job like Adam Lanza, which was the shooter at um, uh, in uh, Connecticut. 
Not everybody is, is like that. But what this would do is encur- would encourage family members to have somebody whose girlfriend broke up with them, who might be a gun owner, but whose girlfriend broke up with them, report them to the government. The law would require reporting to the government that this person has a gun and they're really, really depressed. They might kill themselves or somebody else. Somebody else's dog died. Somebody else lost somebody to COVID. Somebody else is sad and depressed because they're locked up in, indoors in various states where the restrictions and the COVID-19 policies are even more strict than what they are here. And because of that, they're really, really depressed and down and really agitated. And they've got guns. So government, come and take their guns from them. This is what he's going to pass or sign an executive order to declare. You know, I fight on a daily basis, and I make it very well known that I work with and for Citizens for Free Speech. We fight for the First Amendment daily, and we fight the government in taking some of our restrictions away, particularly in the First Amendment. But I'll tell you what, our Second Amendment remains under just as much of a dangerous assault as our First Amendment does. And it's going to be up to you, and it's going to be up to me, and it's going to be up to all of us, to protect that. So while Biden pushes that order today, you doggone well better believe we better be pushing back using the actual way our government was built, using our representation in Columbus, using the legislature, or in uh, Washington rather, using the legislature. All right, it's 927. We're going to take our news just a little bit early here so we have more room for Lieutenant Governor John Husted, who will be joining me at about 931 on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 9.32 now, AM 14.20, The Answer. It was a pretty innocuous tweet, as far as I could tell, citing an Axios.com article which cited ex-CDC Director Robert Redfield as saying he believes that the coronavirus we have all been suffering from for the last uh, 13, 14 months now originated in a Wuhan laboratory. That article was tweeted along with this line by Lieutenant Governor John Husted. So it appears it was the Wuhan virus after all. Yes, it certainly does, particularly when the CDC director or the ex-CDC director says what many others in the medical and scientific fields have said. But that was too harsh for some. The um, cancel culture is coming for Lieutenant Governor Husted because they believe that his remarks were bigoted and mean-spirited, and indeed, yes, racist against Asian Americans. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Houston has been called on for an apology for those remarks. He has not offered one, and I don't expect him to, nor think he should. What I did offer him was a chance to come on this, this program and discuss this in more depth. So here he is, Ohio Lieutenant Governor John Houston, back on AM 1420, The Answer. Lieutenant Governor, it's good to have you back. How are you, sir? Uh, doing great, doing great. Good to be back with you. So these national headlines, um, and, and locally as well here in Northeast Ohio with uh, the Plain Dealer editorial board saying you are cloaked in shame by your words and you should give an apology. In fact, uh, before I ask you to respond to this, this is more specifically what they said in their editorial, Lieutenant Governor Husted. 
Husted knows that using weaponized expressions like China virus, Wuhan virus, and Kung flu is wrong. It's dangerous. It's something for which he should apologize. Yet now, thanks to Husted's words, Ohioans of Asian ancestry today feel more threatened, more vulnerable to attack, because the number two official in Ohio government has added his voice to weaponized anti-Asian talk. I, I I can't believe well, it's the plain dealer, so I can believe that they would write that drivel, but I want to give you a chance to respond to it, sir. Well, I'm not gonna to respond to plain dealer. Uh I'll I'll respond to the people of Ohio about okay. what I meant. Um, Fair enough. And it, the bottom line is that this was a, an attempt on my part to draw people's attention to the fact that there was a cover up in China. Uh whether this virus escaped from a Wuhan lab or if it was because of poor agricultural uh, and health practices in China, they they tried to silence their own people. They tried to hide it from the world. And because of that, three million people are dead, nearly. And we're, we're in a, a situation where the entire global economy was shut down. People around the globe, its lives were impacted. There is probably not a person on the planet whose lives was, was not impacted by this and we need to call china to account uh the who and the the chinese communist party are frankly part of whitewashing this issue and i was merely trying to bring the point that we should have an independent investigation as many as now since my tweet 122 countries including the united states have asked for so i'm simply trying to draw uh, attention to what happened. Wuhan is inseparable from the story because it's where the first case was documented. It's the lab where this research to make viruses, they are literally conducting research to make viruses more aggressive, which is exactly what we have here with this coronavirus. And I was trying to draw attention to that. It had nothing to do with anybody, anybody's ethnicity uh, certainly nothing to do with anybody from America. It was about China uh, and the Chinese Communist Party and their cover-up. Not only what affected their people, but it, but affected the globe. And that's what it's about. And let me just say this. I'm very empathetic to the plight of Chinese Americans who, because of the actions of the government of China, um, uh, could have uh, uh, a reason to be concerned uh, about uh, fallout from the coronavirus, but that is the fault of the Chinese government. It's not a fault of Americans. We are in my nation. I in this nation, I aspire to the Martin Luther King aspiration to not judge people by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Uh, and Asian Americans have been great contributors to the greatness of America, and uh, I'm empathetic to their concerns. But my comments were focused on the Chinese Communist Party, the cover-up, and the catastrophe that they created. We all should be concerned about that. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. I know what your intent was, and uh, and it was indeed noble. You were attempting to point out the obvious here. This is where it started, and especially to get somebody as, as knowledgeable and as respected and revered as Dr. Redfield to say so. It, it mattered that you pointed that out. Now, I was glad to hear in your response there, uh, Mr. Husted, that you said that Chinese Americans, empathetic, etc., you specifically referenced Chinese Americans rather than, quote, Asian Americans, because to me... And, and I'd like your opinion on this. 
when the the far left condemns and criticizes uh, you and others who have said things about this originating in Wuhan, uh, how is it not more racist than to to essentially lump all Asians into one category? In other words, how can recognizing that a virus came from one country, China, be considered to be racist against people from an entire continent? This might be a newsflash to the far left, but Japanese people are not Chinese. Vietnamese people are not Chinese. Koreans are not Chinese. Yet we are being told that identifying the Wuhan virus leads to hate crimes against Asians of all ethnicities. I find that extraordinarily dangerous. Yeah, I had I had many um, uh, Asian Americans who are not of, not from China uh, reach out to me and say, "Look, I don't want to be lumped into this group. Uh, I'm I'm Indian American. I'm Japanese American. I'm Korean American. Right? Uh, you know, I, I just and so that's why I, you know, I try to use I try to use language to make the point, and and I I specifically said Chinese Americans because because we have great relationships with with Taiwan and Hong Kong and which are affiliated with China but but have separate you know are separate South Korea uh, you know India we, we have different relationships with all of those countries and people that come from those countries that are all very positive we have great relationships with the governments of of many other countries um, but the the Chinese government, uh, the Chinese Communist Party has has really done a lot of bad things. Um, and I'll just look. I just want to talk about what the Chinese government. You know, talk about Ohio, the flow of fentanyl into our state from China, uh, the intellectual property that people have tried to steal through to get back to the Chinese government at the Cleveland Clinic, Nationwide Children's, Ohio State University, uh, the fact that cybersecurity threats uh, ha- have occurred. Related to everything from our election system to our pandemic unemployment system, um, let me just also emphasize that there are four communicable viruses in the last twenty years that have come out of China. Uh, they have not done a very good job at, at controlling these health issues. Uh, you know, the lives of our children were disrupted by this, and it's a failure of the Chinese Communist Party uh, that's affecting the lives of Ohio. So we just have to educate ourselves about what's going on and how this is impacting our lives and call people to account. But this has nothing to do with Chinese Americans. They, they, they came to America because they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to be in China because of all of these things. And we welcome legal immigrants from all of these countries and we embrace them. And we should love them as Americans, just like we love anybody else who's an American. Um, but none of this has to do with them. It has to do with the Chinese government. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm so glad to hear you emphasize that. And I want to give you one more quick quote on this, then we'll talk about East Cleveland yesterday. Uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, I apologize if not, um, wrote a rebuttal to the play, Plain Dealer editorial saying you should not apologize, quote, because he did nothing wrong. Apologizing would reinforce the offensive idea that Asian Americans are connected to the actions of the Chinese Communist Party. Standing up for Asian Americans does not require covering up the crimes of an oppressive government. And you just listed some of those crimes right there. And absolutely, they should be held accountable. And I would wrap with this. Um, 
you just pointed out four different infectious diseases have, have come from and originated in that China in the last whatever period of time you just said. And, and whether they're from labs or wet markets, either way, they're responsible. Why are wet markets not shut down if they can prove uh, that this is the source of all of these you know, viral spreads? Uh, then why are they not shut down? Either way, the Chinese Communist Party uh, government is failing and harming the rest of the world. And it is not wrong for us to identify that. Uh, so I really appreciate your thoughts on that. I want to get your thoughts, too. I know you visited East Cleveland yesterday with the governor uh, to present funding for uh, high-speed Internet broadband to be installed in uh, you know, a community where you know uh, they're perhaps uh, underserved in that regard. My question is two- twofold, actually. Are these funds part of the money given to Ohio from the $1.9 trillion federal COVID relief bill? Because if so, that's great, because that's part of only 9% of the bill, which actually went to COVID relief. Secondly, does this Internet expenditure indicate, uh, Lieutenant Governor Husted, that kids are still going to be relying on the Internet for virtual classes for the foreseeable future? Well, this did not involve uh, directly any COVID relief funds that I'm aware of, but but future projects will, uh, okay. or at least we'll be we'll have money freed up due to that the, the availability of some of that funding. Um, but we were really focused on look. I'll just tell you a quick story. Uh, uh, over a year ago, uh, the governor was up in East Cleveland, and the mayor said, "Look, you know," he said, "What else can I do for?" You? He said, "Look, we don't even have high speed internet here," and so the governor called me. Governor DeWine uh, and said, "Hey, you know, can you, you know, let's work on this. You know, let's figure out how we we get this done and help them out. And we we were going to work with the private sector on it. No one from the private sector wanted to make that investment. So we we immediately reached out to uh, a PCs for People, and it, which is a great group that's headquartered a not for profit headquartered or that has an operation in Cleveland." And we said to them, look, we need to get this done. The first conversation started in December, and by April the 7th, we were operational. So we quickly brought the resources and the, and the private-public partnerships because we, we took a lot of, you know, Eaton Corporation, University Health uh, Systems, you know. They were all uh, instrumental in this, uh, and we worked with the Urban League and others to pull this all together and get it done. And now 1,000 families, 1,000 uh, households starting yesterday will – have access to high-speed internet uh, at fifteen dollars a month, uh, which is a, which is a great price to make it affordable for the folks in Cleveland. <laughs> yep, and we're going to continue to expand that uh, as we get people signed up and, and grow that out. We, we want to do more of that in Cleveland because look, you can't participate in the modern economy, education, or healthcare system without it. And if we want, if we want, because look, we're 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 advocates for opportunity. You know, we can't we can't determine outcomes, but but everybody should get a, a fair shot at trying to compete. And broadband access to it is is essential to that. And so we're going to continue to expand that around Ohio uh, because we want to put more people to work. We want to get more people educated, and we want to compete and outcompete our competitors uh, like <laughs> around the globe. Let's just put it that That's way. Right. Got it, got it. Lieutenant Governor Houston, I know you're on a time budget here. Last question, go back since we were talking, started with the Wuhan virus, go back to the end of it. Do you anticipate um, the state of Ohio, uh, whether it be through the governor's office or legislature, um, mandating vaccines in our state to get us all lifted from those orders? Do you believe there will be vaccine passports pushed by uh, Ohio no, government? Ab- ab- I, I absolutely, I don't see any any scenario under which a vaccine passport will ever be required uh, 
and there, there are no plans to, and, and I don't believe that there will ever be a plan uh, to uh, require a, a vaccination. And uh, that's the my governors belief. of several I, states have have made that announcement. They've said there will not be. I mean, DeSantis did it, uh, uh, Abbott did it, yeah. uh, uh, others have. Does the governor, Governor DeWine, or do you guys plan on making an announcement like that so that the people of Ohio are assured? I I think the governor's already said that. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it's been pretty clear. No 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 requirements coming from state government about vaccinations. Good. Uh, no no vaccine passports. But it doesn't mean that an individual business, uh, a, a college or university, couldn't require it. But that's not going to come from us. That's going to be. Uh, yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about that for that part too. Um, you know, do do you think that that's something that maybe the general assembly should look at because uh, to have individual entities. Um, require a, a vaccination, a medical procedure, in order to I don't know get on a bus, get on an RTA bus, or go into a stadium to watch a. Yeah, game. I don't. I don't. That's I don't pretty. That's, that's pretty. Is gonna, it constitutional in your yeah, opinion? I, I I don't know about constitutional. It's not a very good idea. Um, right. You can't require people to to do these things to use to have access to their 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 public services. That that would not be a good idea. So, would you support some legislation kind of telling Ohio businesses you can't do that? Uh, well, look, <laughs> does the government want to get into the business of telling businesses what they can and can't do? Uh, I, I'm always a little leery about, about that. There could be a situation where a business has a good reason that they want to have their employees vaccinated uh, because they're in health care or something like that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm always, well, I'm I'm thinking always more of customers and patrons I'm, I'm not, not rather than employees. Yeah, I'm look, talking about... yeah absolutely. absolutely. I'm, you know, about. About using your public services, look, we don't we don't want passports, we don't want requirements. No. Glad to hear that. I'm I'm total locked up with you there. That's something we need to make sure does not happen. Lieutenant Governor, stand firm. Do not apologize to the rage mob. What you said was right. You're speaking of the Chinese communist oppressive government, not about Chinese Americans or anyone else who should have to pay any price whatsoever for the actions of those uh of those brutal people in that country. And I really appreciate what you said and thank you so much for coming on. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor John Husted joining us. He stayed an extra two and a half minutes. We had him until 45. That's why we moved our news up. I appreciate him uh, working with us in that regard. All right. Since he did, let's get out and catch up ourselves now. It is 948. We'll take a quick time out. And you want to respond to the interview you just heard with Lieutenant Governor uh, Husted? We'll take your calls. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Right back on The Authority. Leave a message, 216-525-1806. Yeah, last week, you know, this is uh, this is what Governor Husted was talking about, or Lieutenant Governor Husted was talking about. And he said, I believe, uh, you know, Governor DeWine has already said something about this. Yeah, he did, but he didn't. Last week, DeWine said that there are currently no plans to have a vaccine passport in Ohio, required in Ohio. 
That is very different than Greg Abbott saying, absolutely not, we will not allow vaccine passports in Texas. Very different than Ron DeSantis saying, absolutely not, we will not have vaccine passports uh, in Florida. Uh, very different than uh, um, the governor of uh, Missouri, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, Parson, uh, Parson, saying that... Um, uh, we will not have vaccine passports in the state of Missouri. It will not be allowed. Mike DeWine said we currently have no plans for a vaccine passport. That means plans can change. So I've, you know, DeWine, we all know how I feel about DeWine. He is, he is kind of weaselly, and if he can find a way around things for his own benefit, he will. So I don't trust that, which is why I pressed Lieutenant Governor DeWine, at the, or uh, he said at the end of the conversation, saying, is it your opinion that we should have legislation that bans it for uh, both public and private entities in the state of Ohio? And after saying, I don't think government should tell businesses what to do, especially if they feel like they need to have their employees vaccinated, my follow-up was, I'm talking about customers and patrons. And if you heard it at the end, he said, yes. He said, yes, I agree. We should not have that, and we should have legislation uh, to stop that as well. So it's a step. It's a step. The lieutenant governor of the state of Ohio is now on the public record saying he opposes vaccine passports both from the state level and from the private entity level. Private businesses should not be allowed to do this either. He said he doesn't know about the constitutionality of it, but he does not agree with it. So that's a good step, and hopefully that will impact and maybe drive some of our legislators in the Ohio General Assembly to get to work on such legislation knowing that there is at least some support in the governor's office by way of the lieutenant governor. Uh, all right, Jan is in Greater Cleveland. Hi, Jan, you're on the air. Oh, hi, Bob. You know, truth is not hate speech. Lies are hate speech. What we see in the left-wing media is they do anything and everything, and they push it as far as they can to pit Americans against each other. And they do this over and over and a good example is uh, when uh, a nutcase uh, shot six people, and four of them, well, four of them were, were Asian. And, yeah, uh, it seems like they are sticking up for the Chinese communist. And, uh, and, and, and uh, vilifying, well, we're vilifying an entire continent because the Chinese communists want to destroy America. Give me a break. I think I think we've got more than left wing. I think there are a lot of communists right in the media and directing the media. I have no doubt of that. I have thank no you. doubt. And thank you, Jan, for the call. Here's here's the thing, by the way, about you know you just mentioned about the whole continent. How how utterly racist is it to say that if we criticize China, Asian Americans are threatened? I mean, how racist is that? Because what? Those who, who say that are saying is, is that they can't differentiate and that there is no difference uh, between the ethnicities of all of the nations on the continent of Asia. You understand that? When they say that if we criticize China, if we call this the Wuhan virus or the China virus or whatever, it makes all Asians, puts all Asians in danger. Right? Why would a Japanese person feel endangered by people in the United States criticizing China? Why would a Vietnamese person who's in America, whether they're a citizen, Vietnamese-American, or you know, working or living or, or studying here on a visa or whatever, 
Why would they be afraid of us criticizing China? Why would Koreans, South Koreans here in the United States, be afraid of, of anything because we criticize China? And the answer to that question is they're, they're not, and they shouldn't. And the only people who think they should are the people who don't see any difference between Asians or uh, uh, Asians of various ethnic descents. Yeah, they're all Chinese to me. I mean, it's, it's the age-old slur, one of the worst slurs ever when somebody says they all look alike to me regarding a race of people. And that's what they're saying. They're saying that all Asians look alike to me, all Chinese, all, they all look like China to me. It's crazy racist, and nobody talks about that. Navy man Norm, uh, next in Strongsville. Hi, Norm, go ahead. Uh, slight correction to the phrase about the uh, Wuhan Chinese virus. I think it should be called the Wuhan Red Chinese Fauci-funded virus. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> it's true. Uh, 2014, when... Uh, Fauci violated federal law as the director of the National Institute of Health. He provided a $3.4 million grant to the Wuhan lab, or lab, I'm sorry, for the development of this virus. And he is as guilty as sin, and he has blood on his hands, $3 million or 3 million bodies worth of blood on his hands. He helped fund the Wuhan Red Chinese Communist Virus. And I will keep saying it. I will write it in my posts, whatever. And I am so well, sick and tired of these people coming out. Well, you're a racist. You're a bigot. No, I'm not. I'm an American. And I'm sick and tired of uh, organizations like Major League Baseball and the NBA getting their blood money from the Red Chinese by offering sports and sponsorships. As an example, I think there's about 16 major corporations that are going to sponsor the Red Chinese Winter Olympics, with or without you. And we will be there. And we will be there. Yeah. The State Department said yesterday we are not going to boycott the Chinese Olympics the way Major League Baseball is boycotting or moving the All-Star Game, despite all of the oppression uh, and human rights violations that the Chinese Communist government is responsible for, both within that country and uh, what they export. Uh, That is exactly right. Uh, Norm, thanks for the call, my friend. I want to get one more in before the top of the hour. Charlie, the mechanic, the politically incorrect mechanic in Lakewood. Hey, Charlie, go ahead. This is going to be a big one. Uh, first of all, not too big, not too big. I don't have a ton of time, but try, try to condense. Well, thanks. Thanks for pressing, uh, you stood on that when we already know what DeWine thinks because Dr. Quackton already talked about how great vaccine passports would be. And he just sat there and nodded his head like the dummy that he is. I wanted to talk about ghost guns and this horse crap coming through the ghost, the ghost, the whole ghost gun thing. First of all, nobody's 3d printing. A firearm, okay? The ones that they taught, the showed about all over the place blow up in your hand. And unless you have a, a 3D printer that costs about 30 or 40 grand minimum, you cannot, there's no precision. It's impossible to do. The, the ghost guns they're talking about are these chunks of aluminum that people buy that have the trigger pocket on the AR-15 not drilled out yet. And you, and you drill it out yourself. There's no serial number on them because it's not a firearm. And, right. and the AT, the ATF classifies a lower, I'm sorry, a lower receiver. The ATF classifies a lower receiver as being able to house the hammer, bolt, firing mechanism, uh, and is usually threaded to receive a barrel. 
Now, they use the word and. They don't use the word or. That means it has to have all four of those qualifications. So by their own definition, a manufactured receiver that is of that you have to have that the only part that's considered a background have to have to have a background check for is in a firearm to begin with by their own definition much less a chunk of aluminum that's only manufactured 80 percent of the way 